Hello and welcome to the new Montel Weekly Podcast. Joining me, Richard Svarsson, is Olaf Vilnes, the Nordic news editor at Montel. Welcome, Olaf. Hello. Today we'll be talking about a very niche subject, the trading of renewable certificates or guarantees of origin. We will listen to or we'll hear a discussion between two key portfolio players in the market and myself that was recorded at an event in Amsterdam. But I thought, Olaf, you could tell us a little bit more about the market before we go into the details and the, the technical nitty gritty. Why is the guarantees of origin or why are they important? It's an interesting market. I mean, it's um, from a Norwegian perspective, I've always followed this market quite closely since Norway is the largest supplier of geos into the market. I mean, you have a hydropower output in Norway of 230 terawatt hour a year. Mm -hmm. So on a good year, they can provide a third of the geos in the, in the entire market, the Nordic, the Nordic region combined with Norway, definitely the biggest contributor. Uh, Cover a third of the entire guarantees of the entire origin. market, yeah, that's, mm. that, that's correct. Uh, and, uh, and the main buyers will be countries uh, like Germany, the Netherlands, that the, where consumers want to buy renewables, want to show their customers or their own, uh, if they're households, just to be sure that they feel that they use renewable energy. Mm. So the rest of the market, that would be hydropower producers, say, in the Alp, area or I mean yeah. can any wind turbine get a guarantee of origin for example yeah. I mean, historically you could say that you have had uh, two ways of supporting renewables I mean the traditional way is to subsidize the, the, the construction of renewables mm. through feeding tariffs or green certificates or whatever that's a standard way of, of building renewables but parallel to this you've also had this uh, voluntary market guarantees of origin where people are actually buying extra to just have the opportunity to call their own power consumption green mm -hmm. and in some areas that's required i mean on an eu level if you if you want to have your uh, your household if, if you richard have you at your at home you have a, a declaration of what kind of uh, power you use mm -hmm. and even if you live in norway you have 98 percent hydropower mm. you will be surprised when you look at your bill and they say it's like uh, 40 coal or 20 nuclear and so on mm. and that is because they are actually buying out Uh, they are selling out geos to other countries, to mm. customers in other countries, in a European-wide market. So this is actually, for some, it's quite controversial. It's very controversial. And uh, mm. I mean, the, the, uh, the industry up here hated mm. because they, the heavy industry, the, the, heavy the industry, industry, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah the, they, the power, the buyers of the power, um, the buyers of the power. I mean, they they have, of course, they they've always told their customers that we only use renewables. Mm. And then they have they are kind of have this mechanism that forced them to buy extra pay extra to mm. buy geos so they can tell them that they are renewable. And then, of course, if you are living in a country with no or maybe surrounded by coal plants in the, in the rural area or in Poland, for example, you can only you can just buy these geos and then you say, okay, we just use, mm. use renewables. Mm. Makes nonsense for a, for a person up in northern Norway who is surrounded by hydropower plants. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, we will come back to that a little bit later in the recording yeah. and some of the yeah. maybe the contro controversies uh, surrounding the market. But are the prices of guarantees of origin, are they enough in and of themselves to support renewables or love? They have never been and they've always been very low. Historically, they've been like a 20 euro cents per kilowatt hours. 
which is very low compared to the power price, which is more like 40, 50 euros per megawatt hour. Mm. You have seen a, very, a sharp increase. Last year was a really strange year in that sense. I mean, you, you saw the price rise from half a euro to mm. two and a half euro for Nordic Hydropower mm. for the GO price mm. in, in just about nine months. Wow. What, was the main, what were the main drivers there? Uh, there is two things. I, I mean, if you talk to analysts, they say uh, there's an underlying growth that have been there for many years now. You have had like seven, eight years of double-digit growth in this market on the, on the demand side, mm. with supply failing to follow in the same pace. Uh, so in that sense, you've had a very strong demand rise, driven by companies who mm-hmm. want to portray to the customer that they only use renewables. Okay. IKEA, Google, Apple, all these huge mm. corporations, they have committed to the customers that we will only use renewables by 2020, 2030, mm. or whatever mm. target they have. And then they use, if they can't produce it themselves, they mm. buy geos to sort of to make sure that they can call their to cover that short, any potential shortfall of own yeah. generation, own renewable that's, generation, and uh, um, and their their power use. Yeah. That, that's correct. So I think that is the demand driver. Mm-hmm. And then you had, of course, also some supply issues last year with, with the drought in the Nordic region, which uh, cut mm. hydro sup, uh, hydro supplies short. Together with that, you had maybe speculators coming in, mm-hmm. buying up, uh, seeing prices going up, and exacerbating the sort mm. of the, uh, the, mm. the increase there. For example, in the autumn, you had a price there of two, 2.40 euros mm. for, uh, for these GOs. That's a substantial rise. Then. Substantial rise, and it fell quite sh- sharply later in the autumn. Okay. And you couldn't really see any big fundamental reason for such a sharp fall. So that so it fell back from fell, 242 uh, what? Um, to the low, uh, almost to what you want, euros. Okay. The, early, early this year. Uh, early this year. Uh, yeah. And now even below one euro. Okay. Uh, so now we're, now we're yeah. about 70, are we? Something yeah, like that. 70, yeah, 80 for the 2019 production. What was the main driver for that fall in prices then? Main driver for the fall is hard to tell. I think maybe it, it started to rain in the Nordic region in September that mm. haven't contributed. Mm-hmm. Maybe you had this uh, psychology that people came in there to well, saw that price. Oh, they, they, they won't continue rising. Mm-hmm. We should just mm-hmm. sell off now. Maybe the... Uh, New producers are coming in from Spain, Italy. Okay, uh, so they, that's what I've heard as well, yeah, that maybe some yeah. big companies from that part of the world sold off a lot of their yeah. of their production or their guarantees of origin. And maybe they've been sitting on the fence as well. Uh, when prices were very low, it didn't really wasn't that important to get rid of it. But then mm. you had high prices and they all wanted to go, ah, go into okay. the market yeah. to sell off. And Spain is also a young market in this area, in this market. They came in in 2016. So they've only been there for about three years. Can we expect more of this kind of volatility this year, do you think? Perhaps not as much as we had last year, but uh, I think it will be a volatile market, definitely. Mm -hmm. The demand is still there. It's Mm. rising. The weather will always change, as Mm. we all know. And uh, there are new countries coming in. Mm. You also have some issues that can affect the market, like Brexit, for example, can remove... uh, some demand if there's no deal, a no deal Brexit. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so yeah. Yeah. So we'll watch we'll watch closely the events going forward, and you can of course uh, read uh, more of our stories on the matter on on Montel. So Olaf, thank you very much for that explanation and the introduction here. As mentioned before, at a recent event in Amsterdam, I had a chance to look at the geo markets from a perspective of two traders. Those listeners with a keen ear will be able to hear my Icelandic name slipping into the discussion at some point. Nicholas O'Keefe. Hello, Nicholas. Hello. He's from Danske Commodities, an expert in uh, green markets, and also William Dixon from Agda Energy. William, hello. Hi. So we're at the Rex Market Meeting Conference in Amsterdam, uh, where all the talk is about guarantees of origin, renewable certificates, and how to decarbonize Europe. 
It's quite a niche market, though, um, Nicholas, this Guarantees of Origin. Is, could you explain it for the, for the man on the street? What, what does this mean? What, what, is, what is a Guarantee of Origin, and why is it important, uh, if it is? <laughs> well, thank you for the good question, uh, <laughs> I will try to do my best to answer that. Well, a Guarantee of, of Origin is an electricity attribute tracking instrument that makes uh, it possible for electricity consumers to, uh, in a compliant way, mm. certify that their electricity consumption is produced by uh, renewable energy mm. in Europe. This is important because it creates transparency to the energy system. It also provides the possibility of, of being able to prioritize between different options. So from a consumer perspective, between different offerings. But on a higher level, it also helps policymakers in tracking their efforts to uh, transition the energy system from fossil-based energy uh, for electricity mm. uh, to more of a, a renewable, renewable system. And would you concur with that, William? Yes, certainly. I mean, you know, I mean, certainly in the past few years with the whole humorous disclosure initiatives and the, let's say, the rise of the ethical consumer, I think we see a lot of people choosing, um, you know, where they want to be able to document their consumption is from. And, you know, a lot of a lot of different preferences around Europe, a lot of different, let's say, tastes. I mean, you know, of course, there are fossil and there is nuclear issuance as well. And people, do, pe do people uh, like to say consume this volume, but also renewables, different types? Do you have a preference in wind? Do you have a, you know, a country-specific thing? Do you have an age-specific thing? So, yeah, I mean, we start seeing above, uh, you know, documenting consumption being renewable, then you start getting the different layers of, uh, of, of demand within the system. So I think for everybody, it's, 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 uh, it's a good thing for, yeah, you know, documenting what, they, uh, what they're looking for. I want to go a little bit about the market dynamics. I mean, the, the talk here and the talk generally was about last year and what happened last year. Prices rose and now they've fallen back. Can you explain a little bit why, Nicholas? Well, I would explain the, the rapid increase in prices and the rapid decrease in price to uh, the fact that there is somewhat lacking liquidity in the market. Mm -hmm. There could be different reasons for this, but when you put the market into the context of the fundamentals, there is nothing really fundamental in terms of change in supply or demand during that time, mm -hmm. which would cause such a increase in price up to 700% increase in price over that span of time. From what to what? It more or less sort of started uh, start of last year, so in, in 2018. Yeah. At, at what price level and where did it finish? It, well, I mean, now... Price, where did it peak? Yeah, maybe? you know, ba basically when we discuss prices, it's wholesale prices, so the amounts are substantial when you trade them uh, mm. through the wholesale mm. market. And mm. And it's also hard to uh, give it indexed price and indexation of prices is one of, of, of the elements to uh, support this market in the future. But without such, it's difficult to pinpoint exact prices. Mm. But you could generally say that the prices in the wholesale market for geos were between 20 euro cents up to maybe 30, 35 euro cents, depending on, the, as Dixon said previously, on the different type of products, etc. Uh, well, they peaked at 35 euro cents, and they peak around you, two euros. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And now they've come down to 20 to 35. Is that correct? Yeah, well, I mean, it depends also on w what uh, you talk about in regards to whether it's uh, with uh, spot delivery of mm -hmm. certificates. Mm -hmm 
Or yeah. if you are, 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 are discussing bilateral forward contracts. Yeah. Sure, sure. I mean, is this, would, would you also concur <coughs> with that? Would you agree that it's a, it's, it's a lack of liquidity here? I mean, it's, it's an interesting one because if, if we take, the, say, the fundamental situation last year, I mean, we started the year, was it like maybe an average spread of maybe 52, 54 cents at the beginning of 2018? And, and that had risen up from 30%, 30 cents rather for the previous year. And then... I think we peaked. There was a very strong correlation last year between the hydrological balance in the Nordics and then the geo price. So I think the, let's say, the peak of the deficit, if you will, on the Nordic hydro was maybe, I think it was week 42, maybe week 37, somewhere around there. But that was also when the peak of the, of the geo prices was. And of course, you, you, you're setting forward prices on the resource available. And, and we're having, we were having, let's say, one of the, the driest years ever, I think, uh, or maybe not ever, but certainly. In recent just, memory, anyway. In recent memory, yeah. I mean, yeah <laughs> don't remember too far back, but um, there was uh, there was a few people saying it was one of the driest years that they had, they could remember since and, 2011. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember anything back yeah. beyond then, anyway. You know. Yeah. So uh, no, but you know, you you kind of base the prices on the fundamentals which are currently available, and if you're experiencing dry conditions, you're experiencing low reservoir levels, then there's an element of like, well, how much have I forward sold, and how much have I forward sold, and how much do I need to buy back because my assets are not going to like generate enough. So at what point do people start potentially panic and thinking, okay, maybe I need to get some volume back? But then you're thinking, okay, well, if the resource is this low at the moment, if it's going to be snowing in the, at the end of the year, is snow going to come? You know, and then when it does snow, is it going to remain as snow on the mountainside? You know, what is the delay? I mean, let's say if you take wind, for example, you know, the generation is pretty instant, but then with hydro, it's, there's quite a delay. And then what is that lag? And at what point have you got obligations to deliver? What are your, you know, what are your commitments versus what is, what is your deficit reduction at the moment? I think anyone within a, certainly within a Nordic generation portfolio, would have seen a little bit of a, a reduction in, in in forecast towards the end of last year. So you're sort of saying there are clear fundamental reasons for the the upturn, certainly that we saw towards the sort of... Um... I, would, I would say, yeah. I mean, and then since then we've had a few, let's say, different things which have come to the surface. Okay, yes, there was there was a bit of you know, strong rainfall within uh, in the Nordics and in, in Q3. We've had a few court cases with you know, certificates from outside the EECS area, different levels of demand, different, level, different countries purchase at different times of the year. Mm. And when a lot of these, like, say, stars align, it, mm. it can make the price go down you know, if someone looks out the window and sees it raining and say, "Oh well, it's raining," mm. then uh, then therefore the price should go down. Then that's uh, that drives the market in in some instances. Mm. I I agree with uh, Dixon. And when you also take the fundamentals mm. and look at the liquidity factor of the market, then then uh, it's like you leverage the mm. whole market. So could you explain that a bit. So coming back to the liquidity, meaning you have a dry season. In, uh, in in Norway, so certificates have got a twelve months sort of expiring, mm. and this in a sense means that you've got twelve months to uh, use those certificates to kind of cover your consumption in the last twelve months. So that somewhat reduces the fundamental seasonality uh, mm-hmm. on both the demand and the supply side, as mm. you would expect year on year to be somewhat manageable. But it's true that, you know, that is what we also saw, uh, mm. coupled with the fact that um, there, there was low wind in, in many places of Europe, mm. uh, really drew up the prices, which would have done anyhow. That would have increased the prices, let's say, in proportion to the effect, the real mm. effect of that on the de- fundamental demand and supply. Mm. 
but meaning that you could expect a, a, a price increase, but not maybe 700 percent. Yeah, that's uh, a bit. Um, and mm. and what explains this is is the liquidity, and the liquidity comes in so two forms. It comes in the form of certain market cycle maturation, saturation, if you have, mm. and and then it comes in the form of being uh, like uh, blood for you know pricing of the product, mm. and. From a saturation point of view, and exactly like this, how Dixon explained that when producers all of a sudden see that they've, they've gone short, then, you know, all hell breaks loose, like mm, what mm. it showed last year. But saturation is more that, and we don't have the transparency to fully understand it, but it could be simply, I've been in this market for a number of years now, that the fundamental demand side has been already saturated mm. through or answered uh, with forward contracts. So... What remains as liquidity in the market is more or less the delta between the supply and the the the, the demand. Mm. For the rest of it, in regards to base load, now uh, geos represent about 35% of the total production of renewable energy uh, electricity in, in Europe. So you have a certain way to go to fully reach the ceiling. Mm. Mm. But until then, you know, the liquidity is is the main driver uh, for mm. prices, not vice versa. Okay, and. William, you would say, or Dixon, maybe I should call you. <laughs> Think all the worse. <laughs> yeah. um, what what would you say are the things to look out for this year? I mean, are the same the same aspects going to be driving yeah. prices? I mean, I mean, you know, if if let's say. I think if you look at the geo issuance in recent years and you take renewable, you know, I think it was like maybe 68% of the renewable uh, issuance was hydro and, and 50% of that is Nordic. So I think there's a, there's a strong correlation between what is, what, is, what is happening in the Nordics. But then the thing you can't accommodate is for, you know, what is the, what is the rate of, of, new, of new stations, new generation coming to the market? Mm. Um, you know, we hear a lot of stories about subsidy-free developments, but then that potentially nets off the demand of, of somebody else. And then mm. France will uh, bring, you know... Uh, uh, volume to the market, but that's only going to start coming to auction by the end of the year. Spain came into the market in 2016, had a great year on hydro, and that was down 43% or something like this on production. So mm. this all kind of like starts throwing into the mix. But uh, in terms of solar, it's going to be a big growth market. Spain. Yeah, I mean, in, in, in one way, yeah, you know, solar will come to the market, but, you know, if you look at countries, I think Netherlands has increased massively on solar, but it's still it's still kind of small volumes compared to the overall thing. Again, it depends what you know people's demand is. I mean, will we see an increase in the next year in the demand for nuclear volumes based on it being, let's say, carbon-free or something like this? People start looking for other opportunities. Okay, yes, you know, renewable is one thing, but then this whole kind of, let's say, blue energy transition is some people are starting to talk about. Mm. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of... Var- you touched on it earlier about the variance between some... Geos and others in the price. Yeah. Um, what explains that? Why are say, why are geos from Dutch wind? Why are they more expensive than Icelandic hydropower? I think locality has got to do with that case in particular. But mm. for the rest of it, where you see price differences is uh, between technologies, mm. and that's where it becomes all a bit fuzzy. We joke about it that one reason why wind certificates, given that the supply is, is equal for both, reflects in a higher price, is because those companies that are willing to pay the price for them mm. to use for promotions for their products and services find it more aesthetically pleasing to have a picture of a windmill on their homepage than a solar panel. Or a hydro turbine. Or, yeah. Yeah. or, it, mm. or yeah. any other reason, but mm-hmm. it, it, there are many reasons. But, but it's but part of this, the sort of local is good 
feeling that you get in just standard consumer products, whether it be beer or potatoes or, or meat or whatever? Yeah. The same thing applies to renewable energy. And as long as the windmill is built behind the garden of your neighbour and you can buy the certificates <laughs> from the windmill, then yeah. everyone's happy, right? Okay. Not in yeah. my backyard. <laughs> but, close. <laughs> but, but close enough, yeah. so I can, close enough so I can get the guarantee of origin. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, you know, you look at Germany, they're kind of doing the same model. It's a kind of like, you know, the regional product. But at, at, what, at what stage does a regional product at what point would you go for something cheaper elsewhere you know there's, mm. there's a lot of there's a lot of variables to consider and you know the Icelandic argument has long been discussed and a lot, some people say it's not their preference because it's not physically connected to Europe and so that's people, a criticism of the whole geo market that yeah mm. yeah I mean technically you know a, a geo from Iceland can't be let's say physically exported but you can use it to document consumption in Cyprus if you wanted to mm. um, so, so some people found, find that you know they, they have a problem with that because it's not you know yeah but it's it's I guess it's like charity right it's it's about choice and you uh, through charity voluntarily uh, send off some money yeah. to uh, mm. support a, a social responsible project mm. somewhere mm. you don't necessarily need to import the, the whole project mm. to your house Mm. And um, it also uh, stems from the fact where this is really not a sort of a issue is that it's it's about emissions in the mm. end of the day mm. and uh, global emissions. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. yes, you can't really have them local unless you live in a <laughs> exactly. water balloon. <laughs> <laughs> well, precisely. Nicholas. Thank, thank you for that. Uh, thank you for that lovely uh, metaphor. There. The bigger picture is that we're trying to decarbonize and that we're, you know, the bigger picture is more important than where the the guarantee of our, where the renewable exactly. power was generated. Exactly. I mean, ultimately, yeah, you know, this is the aim. And then you start seeing, like in recent times, when when the price gets to a certain level, does someone, you know, not you don't want to say become not bothered, but when do they not want to go for the geo? And then maybe you start going for, let's say, not cheaper products, but traditionally biomass has been a product which has not really been in demand. But when wind and hydro were soaring in price, you know, biomass was getting sold out. People mm. wanted to be green, but they were just willing to kind of go, okay, well, let's let's go let's go for the biomass. Mm. And at what point does someone, you know, there's a, there's a potentially a lot of demand coming in the next few years if you believe what you read. There's an electrification of all sorts of things. Transport is going to come in, you know, in by certain dates. Norway is going to be flying electric planes. You know, all of this, if it's going to be documented by you know geos, is going to have an impact. So, at what point do people start, you know, forward selling and, and going for that? And do you go for an expensive hydro? Okay, biomass is under a little bit of debate in the future years, but you know whether that's uh, there's a there's a case going on at the moment about biomass being the sustainability okay, a, a, criteria. A portion of biomass not being renewable, but then mm. at certain points, do you find someone that says, well, if that part of biomass isn't renewable, then why is the rest of it is renewable? And then the consumer influences start coming in, mm. and, and we'll see how things I think develop. Consumer choice is, yeah. becomes quite important there. Technology can play a part as well, can it not, in tracking where the energy comes from? I know there's some blockchain projects which would aid to be able to track where, where the, say, megawatt hour or kilowatt hour was produced and where it was transported and where it was ended up being consumed. Would that provide more transparency to, to this market, Nicholas? Uh, yeah, but I don't think it would really uh, help in supporting one of the roles of GEOs, which is uh, reducing anxieties about mm -hmm. uh, uh, things. Yeah. Okay, can you can you explain a bit more? <laughs> Whose anxiety? Because Your anxiety or market anxiety? No, but I mean, uh, general anxiety and those that uh, buy GEOs in many cases because of their concern in regards to uh, climate change. Okay. 
So it wouldn't change so, that. No, I don't. I think you know there are still too many questions that uh, remain unanswered in regards to the, the integrity of the system, in regards to whether it not it will make the current system more effective or more transparent or somehow bring more value to to the table. Mm. And that uh, hopefully, but uh, I don't see that. Uh, right now, mm-hmm. how yeah. about you? William? I mean, <clears throat> people have been speaking, of course, about you know the whole blockchain for for a couple of years now, and you kind of you can troll and follow it, and it's it seems to be something that people kind of want the geos to kind of go into, but they haven't quite worked out how it's going to work. And I think Certiq have been working with something to try and mm. make it work. Some of the large uh, consumers have also been looking at blockchain. Who's that? Who did you say? Uh, yeah. the, the Dutch registry. Certiq. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm. you know, at the end of the day, do you see? What, what is going to be the impact of, uh, let's say, a blockchain scenario? I mean, if I want to deal with Nicholas, then we just do it and no questions asked. And then we're bringing in potentially a, another platform. I don't know. You know, where does... It'd be interesting to see how it comes yeah, out. May, maybe with blockchain, I will never again have the opportunity to sit down with him to yeah. drink a beer. Or, and well, yeah, that's a exactly, yeah, just It'll be done. Well, that would be a complete disaster. May as well go home. <laughs> <laughs> Early. <Yeah. laughs> no, that would be a shame. William, you, you also mentioned Spain and you, we've mm. talked about different markets. Where do you think of the growth market? I mean, there's a lot of talk about PPAs. Uh, maybe there's, where's the potential? Where's the potential here? I mean, uh, Germany has sort of, is coming to the end of its feed-in tariffs um, or some of the plants will be. Would that provide, when, they, when their subsidies end, then they will be able to generate geos and yeah, would that I mean, boost the supply in the market potentially i mean yeah i mean supply at the moment let's say for example lithuania joined last year but it was only on an import only basis so they have generation which is currently not, technically not been exported you know greece has been in the rumors for a while the uk have, has been for a while but then you know brexit might impact this portugal is also there but also poland is there you know there's a lot of nations here which have technically got demand and it's always the case of what comes first in a scenario. It's, it's the, the, the the generation comes to the market before the demand comes, and then you've got to like you know it's, it becomes a, a process of not education because that sounds like condescending, but you just get people on board with the geo mechanism, and then yeah, I mean Germany it could impact it. You know, 2020 winter, or did we say today 2021 wind turbines start coming to the market? But then you start asking yourself, well, are those turbines going to get knocked down and built again to get the new, let's say, rate of uh, of incentive? Or at what point does someone say, okay, I would like to buy 21-year-old German wind? So you know what is the what is the preference of the, of the consumer as well? Well, maybe they will more willing to buy it as if it stands behind the neighbor's garden and well, can buy it locally, <laughs> but not on the blockchain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, maybe <laughs> if you don't like your neighbor and you don't want to bear have a beer with it, that's the perfect perfect solution. Then, if there was one thing, guys, I was just round up. If there's one thing you'd like to see one change in the market, what what would you like to see happen in? in the market that you're very active, you're very knowledgeable about? For me, it would be when you see a price, a volume associated with it. Because I think, you know, we see a lot of prices. You, you know, you, I don't think you need to be a, a wizard to effectively try and coordinate a Friday closing price, which would get published around Europe. And, you know, you could sell three GOs and make that happen. So I think, you know, what's important to see is the volume behind the price. You know, a terawatt could get sold at one euro. And if three GOs get traded at 20 cents... Unfortunately, it's the 20 cents which gets reported, and I think there needs to be a bit of a consistency there. So this is a request maybe for those people putting prices on screens and to back it up, the price with the volumes there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. I mean, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, mentioning uh, no names, but I mean, no. people, you know, people know like where, let's say, potential flaws are in terms of, you know, it, you know, someone can show a price and say, well, this happened, but the, well, what was the volume behind it? And if it's if it's one go, then you know, is it is it a valid uh, reference? Absolutely. How about you, Nicholas? I think for the this kind of market to be able to uh, mature so that it it can create greater value for everyone involved is that it also needs to focus more on providing end users, the ones that actually cover their consumption with geos, more transparency in regards to how their money is being used. Because um, I think one of the value drivers uh, potentially for this market is the willingness of consumers and com- being households and companies to pay for these products. And I think that their willingness to pay increases the more transparent the market mm. becomes in regards to what effect over time their money... Uh, Not just funding you and William's uh, beer at, uh, at these events. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Put the expenses in next week. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I take... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the only reason uh, we're, 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 yeah, we're, we're saying, thirsty yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're in the... Uh, <laughs> I don't think I can claim this one. Well, I think, I think I'll leave it there, gentlemen. Thank you very much for illuminating uh, this market and clarifying some issues. Thank you very much, Nicholas. Thank, Thank you very much, much William. And that's all for today. For more energy news, go to montelnews.com or follow us on Twitter. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>